There's nothing wrong with checking out that other person. It's fine that I'm dating a married person. We're both in toxic relationships. We were made for each other. I mean, really, we're going to do things legally. She's going to get a divorce. Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkes-Barre in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday, where these shows are uploaded, and you'll find previous uh, shows and content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com, our central hub, and on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube, Rumble, at God's Resistance, spelled G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like us, follow us, turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Next on our commandments here, we had talked last week about uh, thou shalt not kill. I have done something silly here where I do not have the actual verse number. Forgive me for that. I can't really find that at this particular moment. But we're in Exodus chapter 20. If you keep looking down, you'll find where it says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. What a bomb to be dropped on our present day. Because this seems to be, people get mad when they find out that they're, I mean, in, in our culture, when they find out they're, they're boyfriend or girlfriend cheats on them, they get mad, and rightfully so, same thing with uh, married couples, they get mad about it, but it doesn't hold the same weight as perhaps what God sees in this whole issue. So, I'd like to talk about thou shalt not commit adultery. This is one of the Ten Commandments. If you break God's laws, Ten Commandments, you are guilty before God, you are a sinner before God. You are, he- you are headed toward an eternal hell, and if you do not repent, it is not looking very good for you when you leave this life. And I'm sorry, even if listening to this, you don't necessarily like the way that sounds, but the truth will set you free, and we all need to hear that, especially in this promiscuous age. I want to start with <clears throat> something that kind of illustrates how messed up things are. My wife and I, uh, we got married. Um, back in 2009, and we don't have wedding rings. Um, there's wedding rings can be a symbol of of marriage in our culture, or whatever. But we chose to do something different. What we did was we did a salt covenant. So my wife had a bag fil- filled with salt. I had a bag filled with salt. We opened the bags up. We took a pinch of salt out of each of our bags. Then we swapped and put our, the pinch that was in each of our hands in our spouse's or spouse's-to-be bag, and we dropped the pinch in the other person's bag. Then we pulled the bags closed with the drawstrings, and we shook it up. And the symbolism was, you cannot take those grains of salt back. That has been mixed in there. There's no way to get it back. 
that was a biblical salt covenant that we read about in the Old Testament, and we decided that we wanted to do that as a symbol of our marriage, that we were vowing to be together with one another, having no uh, thought that we're going to break this up if we feel like things aren't working out. We meant it when we said our vows. One of my wife's uh, cousins afterwards said, that was so cool, it was so beautiful, I really like that, I'd like to do that. Can we use colored salt? And can we use bigger chunks? Now, she laughed about it, but it was so sad when you think about it. Because what she was essentially saying was, I want a way out if this doesn't work. You know, if we try and get married and, you know, I don't know, we're incompatible, I can't stand the person or whatever, I want a way out. That was the idea. And, you know, that is essentially where we are in our culture. People want a way out. You know, they... Commitment to somebody for the rest of your life. Oh man, that's just drab. And you know what? After a little while, we want something new. We want something different. Maybe sometimes I had a book. Uh, it was talking about um, marriage, divorce, and you know all that kind of stuff, and going through a biblical perspective. In the in the front of the cover, it shows people they're 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 saying their vows together, and behind their back, they're crossing their fingers as if they don't mean it in the first place. That is the culture that we live in. Whether we like it or not, it is what it is. As long as our love shall endure is essentially the mantra of any vow. And I'm not saying that everybody, there's some people that come into marriage seriously and mean it, you know, just like their vows say. But there was a, a wealthy businessman. He was invited to a wedding and he heard that in their vow, they, or I don't know if it was before or somehow he got wind of this, that they said in their vow, as long as our love shall endure. So this wealthy businessman, with all the money that he had, instead of buying them something fancy, he bought them paper plates for their wedding gifts or maybe their reception or something like that, showing them like, if this is what you think about the covenant, well, then I'm not going to waste a whole lot of money on it because it's going to be temporary. So we might as well just, th- you know, have disposable plates. God help us in these days. You know, if marriages were taken seriously, a whole lot of problems would be stopped before they ever started in our culture. So these illustrations show how people don't think of marriage as long term. Uh, They've taken God's pure and lofty concept of marriage down to basically their own pleasure and whatever serves them. Marriage is supposed to be a picture of the relationship between Christ and his church. Christ died and gave himself for his church to cleanse his church, to make it spotless and pure. And there was such a a connection between Christ and his church. And when we take marriage so flippantly, it, it totally breaks down everything of what God was intended. All of society's stability hinges on what we think about marriage. So let's start with marriage from the beginning. So Genesis, excuse me, Genesis 2, verses 20 through 25, we read, Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help, meat, or suitable for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So a few things we'd like to pull out of here. That's the beginning. That's where marriage started uh, in the scripture. So we find here that in the beginning, there was Adam. He had cattle around him. He was naming them. God had given him that authority to do so. But amidst all the cattle, there was nobody suitable to him. People now have, it's crazy stuff, a lady marrying a dolphin and all sorts of nonsense. But intuitively, we understand that an animal does not have the same spiritual nature and intelligence and, and, as, as a human being. And so with Adam, he didn't find any, any helper suitable. He didn't find somebody he could share his life with. Now, I know people say dog is a man's best friend and all that kind of stuff. There's germs of truth in all of this. But still, you cannot have a conversation with a dog like you can a human being. A human being can feel things deeper than a dog can feel. And so there's something drastically different. So they said that, it was said here that he looked around and there was no help meet for him. There was nobody suitable, you know, to be his companion. And this is not like a chauvinistic kind of a thing. There's nobody suitable to be his companion. You know, man, he's in charge of this of the lady and, and she needs to just submit and all. And there is a hierarchical order of things that God has created and that's in the fabric of the design of creation, no doubt, but it's not chauvinistic. It was God's design. The man is the head, the protector over the woman. And the woman has these beautiful qualities to her. The woman has this, this tenderness, this delicacy to her that takes that, that nature of a man to, to draw him out and protect and say, this is my companion. This is my wife. She is the one who I cherish and love and want to protect. This is God's design. And this person was on par. Or he's looking for someone who is on par with him, the intelligence uh, uh, of this creature, which is the woman. And thank God that did happen. Now, we read in this account that the way that it happened was Adam, uh, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. God opened up his, his rib, or opened up his side, pulled out one of his rib, and from that came the woman. So this is symbolic of the uh, marriage, is symbolic of the first union between Adam and Eve, that the, in, that the union is to be so intimate that they are as one flesh. Literally, Eve came from Adam, and a bone, a rib of Adam's, and that is where Eve came from. He said, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. That is the strong union between a man and a woman. It's a lifelong union that's stronger than blood. It's, and what I mean by that is it's stronger than um, you know, a relation that a child has with a parent or siblings or, or any other relation in life. We're told this is why a man leaves his parents and cleaves to his wife. Marriage is the reason why this happens. These two people enter a lifelong union that is the closest union on earth. Marriage is very special and sacred in the sight of God. Notice also here that marriage is a union <clears throat> between a biological man and a biological woman. We are in such a sad state in society that this needs to be delineated even like this. According to God's design and according to creation, Two men married to each other are not married in the sight of God. 
Two women married to each other are not married in the sight of God. Some lady, biological woman, who identifies as a man and then marries another biological woman is not married. These are all things that we have to talk about because our culture is in a sinful mess. This does not, however, mean that God does not love the homosexual. This does not mean that God does not love somebody who uh, calls themselves transgender. God does love these people. That's why the truth goes out. That's why uh, God has preserved the scriptures, the Bible, so that people can be set free from sin. And homosexuality, transgenderism, is a perversion of God's original intent and creation, and it is a sin just like any other sin. It just so happens that some people are bent towards that sin, some people are bent towards alcoholism, some people are just bent towards lust in general, some people are bent in, you know, towards anger and vehement hatred. Each one of us, we're kind of like channeled in one certain direction and our temptations go in certain ways, and all of it is sin in the sight of God, those things that God has mentioned to us that are sin. So this is a union between a biological man and a biological woman. That is marriage by definition. We read a few places in scripture that help us to see what God thinks of homosexuality. So in Leviticus 18.22, we read, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. So homosexual relations are an abomination in the sight of God. Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now that was a a statement instituted by the civil government of that particular time. So civil government was that if somebody was in that kind of relationship, capital punishment was the result. That is what this verse is saying. That does not, however, give us uh, that we can, can, we're condoning um, murdering people that have homosexual tendencies or anything right now. Our civil government and our civil laws at this point do not do something like that. So I don't want anyone to mistake these words to just, you know, flippantly apply it however they please. That's not what's going on. I'm trying to bring out the point that it is an abomination in God's sight. It's against his design. Romans chapter 1, verse 25 through 27, we read, people who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator and the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, because they didn't want to, you know, see God as he is and worship the creature more than the creator, God gave them up unto vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet or suitable to their actions. So we read from here that homosexuality is against God's natural design. Homosexual desires are a result of a heart that has turned away from the true God as far as their conscience is concerned. Um, I remember being out on the streets a little while ago and I was with another brother. He ended up preaching and mentioned the sin of homosexuality. And somebody who was listening 
darted across the street, ran at him and started yelling at him, calling him a hater. Um, and was saying they wanted to commit suicide until they gave in to these uh, desires or temptations, and now they're, they're better, or something to that effect. I can understand that the fight or the war that was going on in the soul ends when you give in, but I cannot agree and say that that makes everything better, because homosexuality is unnatural in the sight of God. It, is, it goes against nature. You don't watch animals doing that in the animal kingdom because nature dictates that a male and a female are to be in union together. This does not mean that we hate homosexual, homosexual people. This does mean that we do hate homosexuality, the sin itself, and that needs to be clearly understood. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.9, we read, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, and effeminate here is speaking about homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So this is, we find homosexuality mixed in with idolatry, adultery, um, and thieves, covetous drunkards. We, we find it all in, in a big list of sin, because homosexuality is sin. <clears throat> I'm sorry that we had to go off in this in some respect, uh, just because our culture is, is as it is. But if we're going to be talking about marriage and we're going to be talking about adultery, we have to deal with what we see in front of us right now. We have to look at what the Bible says, and then from there, we can move forward so we have a clear understanding as we unpack this. Now, with that being said, we're going to move into an area of lust, which is where adultery would start. We look at Matthew chapter 5, and we read there, starting in verse 27 and going on to verse 30, Jesus speaking, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. This, you can, you can switch it around. If a, if a woman was looking at uh, another man to lust after this other man in her heart, you've committed adultery already. It goes both ways on the gender here. Um, so a, a man lusting after a woman or a woman lusting after a man. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. I want to uh, just stop for a moment here, too. I, I was talking with somebody a little while ago. Uh, they're married. They're talking about, you know, troubles that maybe they have just in married life. Not maybe, they did have. And we're asking about adultery. We're asking about lust in the heart. Well, I got less in the heart, but I didn't act on it. Surely that's not as bad as actually committing the act of adultery. You know, is is that what Jesus really meant? Is that what God really meant? Surely he doesn't expect that. And we went to some of these scriptures and I read them, especially talking about if your right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it far from thee. If that weren't serious, if lust was not the seed of adultery and the seed of wickedness and sin, and if sin did not start way back here in the heart, why would Jesus use such strong language right here? to say that it's so bad, it's better for you to pluck your eye out 
than to allow that to continue and end up in hell. And furthermore, it can go from your eye to your actual hands and committing things. It is better for you to chop your hand off and to go into eternal life missing one hand than to burn in hell forever and ever and ever. Sin is that serious in the sight of God. Does Jesus really want you to pluck your eye out and chop your hand off? No. It's called a hyperbole. You and I use these exaggerations in everyday conversation where we're trying to convey a point and we exaggerate points in order to make a strong point. And that is what Jesus is doing here. Sin is so serious, is what he's saying. Here's the drastic measures you should take. And we, we read a little uh, earlier that it was out of the heart that these things start, Jesus says. Now, as far as lust is concerned, first look at somebody of the opposite sex. Really, we can't help that. Um, I remember even after being saved, I was so confused about this matter for a while. I know God had changed my heart, and the lust that was in there was not there anymore. Uh, temptations uh, could be there, but that pull, that strong pull, it was broken. God had delivered me from that. But I remember summertime coming around and ladies being dressed in short shorts, uh, dressed in you know tank tops that's revealing way too much skin. And as a man, uh, m- men were visual creatures. So when we see things like that, we, we may have a, a larger struggle with that than say the, the female gender. I remember at that point, I mean, there's nowhere I could go during the summertime and not see scantily clad women. I mean, you could just go into the grocery store and see that. And the Lord had helped me to realize you can't help that, my son, my child. You can't help that because you can't walk around with your eyes closed, but you can help staring or a second look, you know, to look back around. And I know plenty about that before I was saved, even, you know, being with having a girlfriend and all that, I remember walking in public and seeing some girl that I thought was quite attractive and trying to sneak looks, you know, back at this other person and try not to get caught by my girlfriend. I remember doing that before I was saved. However, God had delivered me when I got saved that now that lust is not there in the heart. And that is where sin starts. So it goes without saying, pornography is against this law of committing adultery. You, as a married man, if you look at somebody who is, uh, you know, in explicit pornographic material, you are committing adultery with this person that you're looking at. You've already done it in your heart, according to God and according to Jesus and his standard. Also, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm sure that there are people who are porn stars that are um, married. I don't even know how that kind of a relationship would work out, but I'm sure it's happening. You also, that person is not only probably committing, definitely committing adultery in their pornographic activity, but pornography in and of itself breeds adultery. It breeds lust, which breeds adultery. So pornography is against this law, men. We need to guard ourselves about that. Women, same thing. You would think it's, a lot of people, the stigma is that, you know, men have a problem with pornography. No, women have the same thing. It's the same for you, ladies. It's adultery when you're looking at pornography. Even as a married person, it is adultery. It is adultery if you're lusting after somebody even in public and you never committed the deed. He said adultery started way back there in your heart when you looked and lusted after them. Where does this lust all come from? How is it so prevalent? Well, immodesty in dress and attitude in our culture does not help the situation at all. 
ladies especially, and I'm not saying this to ladies as if to push them down and put something heavy on them, but it, God has so constituted men that we are visual creatures and women have certain curves and things about them that is attractive to a man. And there's parts of their body that need to be, you know, carefully guarded and covered in a, in a, you know, a a more modest manner so as not to be suggestive. Men, we have things like that we need to do too, but it's, it's not quite the same as a lady, but we have to be careful the way we dress so as not to draw attention to sensual aspects of our body and causing other people to stumble and sin. So a suggestive dressing, an attitude that says, I'm available, please pursue me. We have got to be careful about that. That is all around us. It's on magazine covers, it's on billboards, it's on packaging for products we buy in stores. And then it's just everyday people, the way that they dress. They're dressing and saying, I'm available. Women in the workplace also causes more opportunity and temptation for adultery uh, because they've been removed out of the safety of their home where they are to be nurturers and keepers at home, training up their children and, and trying to equip these children to be, you know, good people in society. Now, you, you could listen to this and say, you're just a male chauvinist. That's so ancient. You're like a dinosaur, man, the way you're talking. I'm sorry, but that is the way God's designed it. Women were not supposed to be out in the workplace the way that we are at this moment. They were, they, the, women are gifted in a certain way to be nurturers, to be able to raise children, and they do a far better job at it than men do. Men can do it. God can enable and help them, but it's, not, it's supposed to be a together thing, first of all. And secondly, now women saying, I've got to get a career, and I've got to go out here, and I've got to do that. They've left off their home in that place. Now they put themselves out in areas where they are, they're around other men. And other men, unfortunately, don't know how to control themselves, perhaps. And sometimes it's not all, well, it is their fault in some respect, but it also is this pro- a product of our environment and what's going on. So they got out of the safety of their home, and now we've got more opportunities for lust to happen, more opportunities for adulter- adultery. All our media at large promotes looseness in morals. I mean, even news anchor ladies, the way that they dress and the way they talk is vile. Hollywood promotes it. Movies are that way. Uh, TV shows that are made by them. Any of them. I mean, I remember watching American Idol before I was saved. And here's people that aren't even famous, but they feel the need that they have to dress like, you know, Hollywood says you've got to dress. So there they're dressing provocatively and they're dressing in such a way where it's going to provoke lust inside of people's hearts. Magazines at the checkout, they do the same thing. Even the main page for search engines at time, Yahoo, you go to Yahoo search or you go to, you know, Yahoo mail or whatever. I mean, the stuff that comes on the side, the suggestions that comes out of YouTube videos or whatever that comes in, it's every, it's everywhere. Lord help us. That's lust. That's where it started. Now we move into the act of committing adultery. First, it starts there in that seed in the heart, but then the consent of the will takes place and that happens far before the deed is done. When somebody commits adultery, they are breaking the sanctity of God's union of a biological man and a biological woman. What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. That's what Jesus said. It it breaks up a home. It destroys the hearts and lives of children. And eventually, it destroys society and the fabric of society. Now, so here it is, selfish pleasure at the expense of your soul 
the soul of the one you committed adultery with, the souls of your children. And when the public shields and excuses adultery, not thinking that it's really that bad, they're guilty of the same crime. Our, our culture is guilty of the same crime. We are perpetuating this wicked and gross evil in our day. So Jesus said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, commit, committeth adultery. So people will say, well, I just, you know, I, I, I don't want to commit adultery, so I'll just get a divorce. And then I'll marry whoever I want after that. Jesus says, I mean, read through this. There's still adultery being committed there because there's a heart issue that is the problem here. May God help us to be faithful people and to be people that can walk in truth no matter the pressures and get God to take care of the wickedness in our heart so that we don't just continue to fall victim to all of this. Let me ask you, dear listener, are you married? Are you faithful to your spouse? What about your thought life? Do you look at pornography? Do you lust after others? Your spouse may not know about it. You do, though. God does also. You know, if you are guilty here on these things, you have broken one of God's Ten Commandments. You're guilty of committing adultery. And being guilty, you sinned, and you have a need to repent. And if you've not been born again, then you're headed to hell. But you know, Jesus has stepped in as our substitute. And if you repent and believe, there's still hope. You can be saved. You can be radically changed. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. We can go coffee shop or somewhere and talk about spiritual things. And I can just help you with the things God has shown me, my knowledge of the Bible. I can help you along your way so you can walk with God also. Make sure to like and follow us on our social media accounts. Tell your friends about social media accounts. Tell your friends about this broadcast. But above all, join the resistance. God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.